Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. So today is the um, the, the final week in the book of Acts. We've done eight weeks together. But before we wrap up this eight-week conversation, I want to tell you about what we're doing next week on Sunday the 26th. Uh, we're going to do an open Q&A in our liturgies, both online and, and in person. And really, uh, anything goes. So mostly I'm feeling like this is a little bit one-sided. I come every week and I have something to share with you. I want to hear what your questions are. Listen, I'm not claiming to have all the answers to those questions, but I want this conversation to happen a few times a year. And so uh, everything's on the table. You can go to gatherhouston.org slash questions. You can submit a question anonymously, and we're going to answer all the online questions online and live. So if, if you are like, hey, I want to come in person on the 26th, but I'm going to ask my question ahead of time, please do that. It gives us more time to prepare, which is nice. Uh, and then we will definitely answer your question live and online. So open Q&A next week. I'm really interested to see what the questions are going to be. Uh, I, have, I have no idea. So l- let's do it together. But next week, uh, the 26th, live Q&A uh, in person and online. So really looking forward to that. But today, We're in the eighth and final week in the book of Acts. And this whole conversation started with the idea that the church is alive and everything that's living is changing. And so we've been looking at the changes that are happening in the early church, the progression, the growth that's happening in the early church. And we've been talking about how we should embrace those changes ourselves, that we should progress and that we should grow and that we should look forward. That the church, our church, is alive. And we, you you and I, are alive, and everything that's alive is changing. Today, we're going to look at a big chunk of Scripture from Acts chapters 21, 22, and 23. It's a lot there. We're not going to read all three of those chapters, but there's a lot there. And what we see here is the church changing and shifting away from defending God. And I'm just going to pause there for a second. Um, In case you didn't know, you do not have to defend God. God does not need you to defend God, okay? Uh, If you believe a tenth of what we say around here, that that God is all-powerful and all-loving and and all-knowing, if you believe those things about God, how silly and really kind of uh, egocentric is it to think that, that we're the ones that need to defend God? God does not need us to defend God. You you don't have to defend God. And the church, and specifically the Apostle Paul here, stops defending and instead starts witnessing. Now, now I know uh, that being a witness might come with um, uh, some negative connotation. It might be a triggering word uh, for you. But when I say witness, I don't mean evangelizing. I mean literally just witness. You're just seeing, observing, experiencing. Witness means to see, hear, or know by personal presence and experience. So being a witness isn't about right or wrong or good or bad. Being a witness has no judgment within it. Being a witness is about embracing your own lived experience, your reality, with no defending, no judgment, just witnessing. You see, you hear, you experience. So we're going to read a bunch of scriptures today from three chapters in the book of Acts. And let me just set this up a little bit. So the Apostle Paul um, starts uh, preaching and including the Gentiles, those who are outside uh, of the Jewish faith. 
And um, we've talked a lot about inclusion and how that inclusion kind of began in the book of Acts. Uh, But the Apostle Paul is reaching out to the Gentiles. He's going to these cities. He's telling them the good news of Jesus. They're being baptized. They're participating in the people of God. And because of that inclusion, people are mad, like really mad. And we get to Acts 21. This is what it says in verse 27. It says, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our laws in this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple and defied this holy place. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed kept shouting, get rid of him. Okay, so they're really mad. They're really mad at him for these sermons. Get rid of him. And then, uh, so Paul gets kind of dragged in by this crowd who's all shouting to get rid of him. And then Paul has a chance to address the crowd. So they they finally kind of quiet down long enough to hear him. And um, he doesn't present evidence. He just tells his story of what happens when Jesus confronted him and he's blinded. He says in Acts chapter 22, verse 12, a man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood behind me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. The crowd listened to Paul until he had said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. Then the commander brought Paul and had him stand before the chief priests and all the members of the Sanhedrin. Did you catch that what Paul says? The Ananias tells Paul, you are going to be a witness. I'm not making this stuff up. Okay, this is what it says in the Bible. But, but again, the crowd is really, really mad. And uh, Paul hasn't defended anything. He's simply just been a witness to his lived experience. And then they bring him in front of the Sanhedrin. So the Sanhedrin, these are the decision makers. These are the uh, important religious leaders. Um, it's not just, you know, kind of a stirred up angry crowd. These are the supposed to be the, the calm, uh, important people. And in Acts 23, Paul does this. Verse 1, Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, my brothers, I fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. The next morning, some Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. Listen, he gives zero defense. So people are trying to kill him like they're shouting at him that they want to kill him. It's not a, really a secret. Uh, and he just tells a story. He doesn't say, you're, you're, you're wrong and I'm right. Let me tell you why. He just says, well, this, ha- this thing happened to me. And then he, he gets to, to uh, tell his side to all the decision makers, the really important people. And it says, he, he looks at them and just says, I fulfilled my duty today. I, I've been a witness. I, I fulfilled my duty. Right? Again, he, he doesn't offer any judgment. He doesn't say that he's figured the whole thing out or, or even close to that. He is just a witness to his lived experience. He has seen and heard. And there's this really sharp contrast between Paul, the Apostle Paul's attitude and contrast, and the attitude and contrast of of this angry crowd and the leaders and the Sanhedrin. Because as Paul starts to shift into this identity as a witness, the crowd starts to do all the defending. They're defending God. In Acts chapter 21, they say that Paul has defiled the holy temple by bringing Greeks in. They're trying to get rid of, of Paul because they think Paul has offended God, right? They think, uh, they think that, that killing Paul is doing the work of God. 
that they're defending God's holiness or, or righteousness by killing this man. They, they think they're defending God. And, and, and they have to defend God because of the way they think about God. It's really the exact same way that Jesus was killed. Right? A crowd of God's people thought that they were in charge of defending God's way. Barbara Brown Taylor says this, Jesus was not killed by atheism and anarchy. He was brought down by law and order allied with a religion, which is always a deadly mix. Beware of those who claim to know the mind of God and who are prepared to use force if necessary to make others conform. Beware of those who cannot tell God's will from their own. This is what's happening to Paul, that God's people think they have to defend and enforce their version of who God is and what God wants. They think they're in charge of defending and enforcing who God is and what God wants. And Paul does none of that. He doesn't defend or enforce. He simply says, this was my lived experience and I will tell it to you. And when I'm done, I have fulfilled my duty. And and listen, it's really easy uh, for us to fall into the same trap of defending God. It's easy to read this and think, how ridiculous to think that by killing this man, they're helping God in some way. But it's easy for us to fall into the same track, trap, and I, and I think it's because of the way uh, that we sometimes arrange our beliefs, our theological systems, right? we arrange, the way we arrange the story we tell ourselves about God. I think a lot of us set up our beliefs like a brick wall. Just, just We're about to get into a metaphor here, so just stay with me. Right? We set up our beliefs, our theology, like a brick wall. So if one brick, one idea, one belief— if that one idea about God gets challenged or, or, or you know, if we somehow, some way find out that one of those ideas isn't true, if that brick gets pulled out, then the whole thing comes crumbling down. It's a brick wall. Right? It's, it's how this crowd in, in, in the book of Acts had their theology arranged. arranged. Right? Paul was challenging a single idea, one brick. And the, and the crowd said, we cannot have, we, he cannot do this. Because if that one brick gets pulled out, their whole identity gets shattered. The whole thing crumbles. And so because of that, Paul had to be stopped. They had to defend their wall of beliefs. But, but our theology, our set of beliefs, the stories we tell ourselves about God, they work a lot better like a trampoline. And you may have heard me talk about this before. But in a trampoline, you've seen them, uh, there is a mat and there are springs. And the mat is really important. If you don't have a mat, you don't have a trampoline. The mat is really important, and there's only one of them. But the springs on the outside, uh, there's a lot, and they are flexible, and they bend. And um, if you take out a spring and uh, you throw it in your neighbor's yard, you still have a trampoline. The whole thing works. In fact, you you can lose like half of your springs, and the trampoline works. So just ask the used trampoline my parents bought for us in 1999. At least half of the spring's gone still work. You can lose a lot of the springs and the whole thing still works. And so the way that I, and I often encourage you to set up your theology, your set of beliefs, the way you think about God is like a trampoline where most of your beliefs are like a spring that you can take it out and you can look at it and you can examine it. And sometimes you can throw it in your neighbor's yard and you can be totally done with it. And when you do that, when you take out that that belief and you throw it out, the whole thing does not come crumbling down. You still have a trampoline. It's okay. It's okay. You don't have a brick wall that you have to defend. You have a trampoline. And if you set up your beliefs like a trampoline instead of a brick wall, then you get to be a witness. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have any judgment. 
You don't have to have right or wrong or good or bad when it comes to your theology. You just simply get to be a witness. And when you find out that it turns out God is more loving, more inclusive, more wonderful, more expansive than you had thought before, and a couple of your springs have to come out because of it, the whole thing doesn't come crashing down. You just get to say, wow, I'm so glad I'm a witness. We are made to be witnesses, not defenders. We don't have to claim to know the mind of God. We don't have to enforce God's way or God's will in the world. We simply see, hear, and know by our own personal experience. No judgment, no good or bad, just a witness. And so for you, when it comes to your theology, your beliefs, your faith, do you think you're more of a witness or a defender? And maybe just consider, if you get offended when other people represent a different version of God than yours, when your beliefs get challenged, when somebody pushes on them a little bit, how offended do you get? How insecure does that make you? How afraid are you when those beliefs get challenged? And then do, do you talk more about theoretical beliefs or your own lived experience? That, that may be a good way to think about whether you are a defender or a witness. Is this about your own lived experience that you are trusting and believing? Or is this about some theoretical beliefs uh, that a Sunday school teacher told you about a long time ago? Are you a defender or a witness? And I wonder if you've organized your beliefs more like a brick wall or a, or a trampoline. Right? How do you feel when that belief gets challenged? And maybe just take a belief today. We'll just, uh, we'll go with the classic one. The virgin birth of Jesus. If you found out today, right now, just got beamed into your brain that Mary was not a virgin, what would happen to the rest of your beliefs? Is that a brick or a spring? Right? If you found that out, does everything come crashing down? Is none of it worth it anymore? Or is that just a spring that you say, oh, I did believe that, but I just found out it's not true. I'm going to toss it to the side, and this whole thing still works. We don't have to defend God. We just act as a witness. We embrace our own lived experiences with no judgment, and we simply witness. So today, uh, as you know, is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the amazing gathered dads. It's a really fun, uh, we have a really fun group of dads here. and. Um, for me, though, Father's Day is a complicated day. I have a complicated, uh, for lack of a better word, a complicated relationship with my own father. And uh, some of you know that story. And I, and I know that for a lot of you, that's true for you, too, that you have a complicated relationship with your dad. And so today is, uh, it's complicated because I have this hard relationship, but also I love being a dad. I love being a dad to Ellis and Henry. It is the best part of my life. It's the best part of my day. And so because I was feeling some anxiety about this weekend, about Father's Day weekend, I decided this week um, that I would just be a witness. I decided that I would just take note of my boys this week, who I treasure. That I would just take note of all their goodness and beauty and grace and silliness. But like when I go to help Henry in the mornings, like every morning to just try to get him to sleep like just a little bit longer. And when I go to help him and he reaches and holds my hand with his little hand while we rock in the morning at 
I'm just a witness. Or when he does a little sleep smile. Have you ever seen a baby sleep smile? I know it's not about me, but oh, it's good. And I'm just a witness. Or when Ellis, when he's decided recently that amen isn't good enough for the end of his prayer. So instead of saying amen, he likes to say shark, shark, the end. And I don't know why. And it doesn't make any sense to me, but I don't care because it's hilarious and sweet and he loves it. Or when his mom brought home a new sun hat this week, when Katie bought Ellis a sun hat, and he was so excited that he wouldn't take it off. He wore it all day long. He wore it at school, at the lunch table, would not take it off. He looked so silly and so sweet, and he was so excited. I'm just a witness. I'm just a witness. And I don't have to have it all figured out. In fact, I don't have to have anything figured out. When I stop defending, when I stop having to be right, I get to see that there is a lot of good and a lot of God in every little crevice of my life. And I just want to be a witness. And so gather, this is my prayer for us today. Stop defending and start witnessing. Take note of all the good and all the God that's taking root in your life. You don't have to be right. You don't have to be certain. Today, just be a witness. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.